Happy Sabbath once again. We continue our series on a Christmas story. And today we're going to talk about Jesus's wonderful story of, of how his story impacts our lives today. But before we go into his story, I want to ask you this question. Yeah, why doesn't it not work? It's on. Let me turn it on again. There it is. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Let me ask you this. What makes a good story? What makes a good story? I want you to think about your, the story that you've heard that inspires you the most. Last week I asked you your most memorable story. Now I'm asking you about the story that has inspired you the most. What story is that? Maybe it's a story you read from a book. Maybe you watched it on a movie. Maybe you witnessed it firsthand. What makes a good story? According to several literary uh, experts, they believe that each story needs these four things, these four elements. There needs to be a main character, a character that we can root for, a character that resonates with us, a character that is relatable to you. And that's why you're hooked, because of this character in a particular story. So what's your most inspirational story that you've heard of? Does your main character in this story, uh, what is the plot that they, have, that they have in their story? Like, what is the goal? What does the main character want in this story? And then there needs to be tension because the conflict the main character overcomes is going to make them stronger it's going to make them resilient. It allows them to grow even more throughout that entire story. And then the last part is a resolution, a conclusion to the story. Perhaps the character you, you in, uh, are inspired by overcame their conflict so much that you took lessons from their story to apply into your own life. What is the most inspirational story that you have ever heard? One of the stories I appreciate in my life is one that I got to witness firsthand. My father, my dad, Eliezer Santos. To me, he is the man, uh, the man of all men. He really is. I mean, this guy, not only does he have a great sense of humor, not only is he down to earth, but he's willing to do anything to everything for his family. One of the earliest stories I heard about him was when he had to quit school, college. After, a after one semester in college, he had to leave because his father passed away. So the, the main character in this story is my dad. After his father passed away, he realized he needed to take care of his mom and his sister, a younger sister. But quitting school would then set him back. But he had to make that choice. He had to make it in order to provide for his mother and sister. So what can he do? 
Well then, there's the conflict. He's thinking about it, right? He has a goal. The goal is to take care of his, of his mother, and then the conflict is, how am I going to do that? Well, the one thing he learned was mechanical work. So he and his brother, Uncle Jerson, and him started a business. If you've ever heard of jeepneys, what jeepneys are is that they took World War II jeeps from Philippines and made them into a minibus where it could fit about 20 to 30, uh, 20 passengers sitting on a row uh, facing this way and then another row facing the other way. So people are just facing each other, but there's just a long bench that they can sit on. So he started to build these. I think he built two or three for him and his brother to have. And that was their business. And that's the resolution of the story. Because of this, the jeepney that he was able to build, he was able to provide for his mother and sister. To me, that's a very inspirational story. It taught me in my own personal life on not to be afraid to try new things. Never be afraid to try new things. And if you need to adjust or, or turn this way or that way, be able to do that. Be ready to do that. So that story taught me a lot of things. But even that story doesn't compare to the story that we're going to talk about today. Because I believe the most inspirational story out there in this place, in our world, is Jesus' story. Jesus' story is the number one story, not only for you and me, not only for the town of Castle Rock, not only for our country, not only for this world, but for the entire universe. Jesus' story is the most inspirational, most impactful story of all time. You know what his story is? It's the great controversy. The story between good and evil. The story where evil says God is not a God of love. God doesn't care for his creation. God bribes his people in just to love him. While the other side, while God says, no, I do love you. And like what Bob shared with us today is that he was willing to come into our world to show the devil that he was wrong. Jesus' story in a nutshell. But we're going to look at it a little bit more in great detail. Now, one thing I need to point out is first element to a good story is what? The main character. The first thing I need to point out is that this is Jesus' story. The great controversy is Jesus' story. The Christmas story is Jesus' story. Why is that important? Because sometimes, sometimes, like what we learned last week, we can take another person's story, we can one-up their story, we can top their story with our story, and then, before you know it, we took their story Do we do that with God sometimes? Here's an example. God, why did you do this to me? God, are you punishing me? That statement alone is you, or if I have said it, is me at the center of the stage 
casted God out of his own story. Jesus' story, it's important that we establish this part, is his story. I am guilty of that. I've been guilty of that, where I take his story and make it his own, but make it my own. But his story, Jesus' story, it's his story. And if we can see it from this perspective, we may actually learn something for our souls. So Jesus' story, where can we go from here? Because if you were to look at the Bible, there's so many different ways to look at Jesus' story. The most traditional way at this time of year is to go to Luke chapter 2. That's the story of the manger, right? Or Matthew chapter 1, an extension of the manger story. Or we can read more into the Gospels of how Jesus healed the sick, made the cripple walk, made the blind see. So many ways to look at Jesus' story, but I want us to look at it in a, in a overall umbrella, kind of a big picture type of way today. And I think the passage that best supports that, where we can see Jesus' story in an overarching manner, is Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. So turn with me there, okay? Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11. But you might say, Edre, it's on, the, uh, it's on the PowerPoint. It's okay. Turn to your Bible so you know where this story is in your own Bible. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. We see Jesus' story in this passage. In verse 5, it starts with your attitude, your mindset, how you act, how you react to life should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, which is something to comprehend, which is something to grasp. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying God and Jesus are equal, they're divine. How, how can we even comprehend that, right? That's what he's saying in verse six. That this person, God, Verse 7 now, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now that part right there, don't be confused about that. That's uh, an allegorical, or you should look at it in a very allegory way that the phrase in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that's pretty much talking about it encompasses everything to everyone. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee, I'm talking about not just this world, not just in Castle Rock, but other planets, other beings that God created, everyone, every knee should bow at the name of Jesus. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
This is Jesus' story. Did you catch it? The manger story is found in, if we're going to break down Philippians 2, verse 5 through 11, we see the manger story in, in PowerPoint here in point number two, that Jesus had to empty himself. That's where the manger story is. That's where he chose, instead of a bird, he, entered to, he decided to enter this world as another human being. He had to empty himself. How, do, how was he able to do that? Well, because of number one, which is verse five, he had the attitude of love. Love is the key ingredient to empathize. Love is the key ingredient to listen. Love is the key ingredient to have the attitude like Jesus. If you want to empty yourself, you need to have that attitude. Now, let's look at this in full context, of course. The full context of this is if we were to look at verse 1 through 4, we will see that Paul is pleading with his church, church in Philippi. The church in Philippi is divided. They're fighting with each other. Have you ever been in that situation before when a church is fighting? It doesn't feel like church, right? It doesn't feel loving. It doesn't feel kind. It feels like each person is just watching out for their own back. That's not a church. A healthy church will look at conflict, will not in ignore conflict, but if anything, they will see how they can grow from that conflict. A healthy church thinks of each other when they're sick. Or when they're celebrating life, they celebrate together. Remember the memory verse last week? Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. That's what a church does. But in the church of Philippi, they're fighting, they're divided. So Paul, Paul begs them. In verse 1, he says, if you have any encouragement, I'm in Philippians 2.1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. What's this? Minded. What is that? Being in one accord is what he's talking about. Being like-minded, having the same love. Being one in spirit and purpose. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... Consider others better than yourselves. What he's pretty much talking about there is put other people's needs before your own needs. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. What is Paul talking about here? What Paul is talking about here is the first two sermons we've had. How your story is connected to their story, and how their story is connected to your story. He's appealing to them to be like-minded, to be of the same love, to be in one purpose. Then that's where verse five comes in. He now uses Jesus as an example. Jesus did this himself. He considered your needs before his own needs. That's why he then had to empty 
himself to come into this place. That's when Jesus' story intersects with your story and with their story. Who made that happen? Who allowed this intersection to come? Jesus. But he was, he's, he's all-knowing. He's loving. He's brilliant. And through that brilliance and through that love, he said, I can't come as a conquering king, like the bird story. I'm going to have to come in a different way. How does he come? Well, let's read it again. In verse 6, it tells us here, I mean verse 7, it says that he made himself nothing. As a man, or uh, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a doulos. Doulos is the word there for servant. It can also be translated as slave. <coughs> <coughs> What's special about doulos, especially in Roman times, a servant or a slave, is that after a certain year, amount of years of service, they, they can be granted their freedom. Now, this is what a doulos would do, is that they can make that choice of whether to become free or continue to be a slave. What did Jesus decide to do? He decided, he chose to be a servant to you and me. He chose that. Because just like that bird story that Bob told, he wanted for us to understand the concept of love from God, he realized I need to talk the human language. But not only that, he also wanted to understand our pain. He wanted to understand how we feel, how we work, how we think, how we play. Isn't that empathy? Isn't that learning another person's story? So that's the whole theme here, right? A Christmas story. The whole theme of a Christmas story is to learn how to, oh, what's another word, to, to put our stories together, how to imagine like a, you're, you're cooking soup and you're putting, it in a, you're putting all the ingredients in a pot, right? Well, if you and I are each an, an ingredient and each of us as an ingredient has our own story, then how do we mix it into the pot? Will the mushroom throw out the corn? No. It'll celebrate together. How can that happen? The attitude of Jesus in emptying yourself. What does that mean to empty yourself? How much is it going to take? How will it take for you? How much will it take for you to empty your stubbornness? to empty your pride, to empty your hate, to empty your judgmental heart, perhaps. I don't know what the shadows of your heart is, but it needs to be emptied. Jesus did it, and I know he knows you and I can do it as well. After he 
became a servant. How further did he empty himself? Well, it tells us in verse 8 that being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The reason why that is significant is that the only people who were crucified on a cross at that time were non-citizens of the Roman Empire, servants and slaves, the lowest of all lowest, people who did not deserve a quick death. Because if you can imagine being crucified on a cross that you've probably heard this many times, either from other sermons or watching the History Channel or Discovery Channel, you've probably heard or read this, that crucifixion is a very painful and slow death. And what does it mean that he chose, that he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross? Well, he could have fought that. He is, by the way, king of all kings. He could have summoned all his angels. He would have been saved. But he was willing to die that painful death for the wages of sin. He was willing to die that death so that you and I can live. That was his choice. We might sometimes think that it was Caiaphas and Pilate and the, and the crowd that said, yes, crucify Jesus and give us the other one. No, it was Jesus' choice still. He, he went ahead and did it all because of love. And then because he did that, Jesus was exalted God exalted him. Verse 9, it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and give him the name that is above every name in the universe. Well, Edre, I thought you established at verse 6 that God and Jesus are one. Yeah. So that's God just patting himself on the back? Giving himself a promotion? No. You can't see it that way. Because what God did here to exalt Jesus to, to, have, to, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, <coughs> this, is just, this is not patting oneself on the back. If anything, this is affirmation of Jesus' work, the work of salvation. This is God saying that there is absolutely no other way to eternal life than one emptying themselves and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no other way, there's no other person out there that can save except Jesus and Jesus alone. That's what it means that he was placed in the highest place. An affirmation of Jesus' work, an affirmation that the devil has no power over you and me. That through being exalted, it's an affirmation that Jesus conquered sin, Jesus conquered death, and Jesus has now given us a way to eternal life. That's why this is the greatest Christmas story. Sorry, that was Siri. That's why this is the greatest story in the world. Not just the greatest Christmas story, but the greatest story in the world. I'm so pumped up, not even Siri can interrupt me. See, when I say Siri, she actually doesn't turn on, but I say something else that sounds like Siri, then she turns on. 
this story, Jesus' story, should resonate with us. It should sit in our hearts, inspire us, motivate, move us. But most of all, most of all, I think this is why Jesus decided to share his story is to humble us. Otherwise, how are we going to understand any of this? Then verse 11, or verse 10 and 11, after Jesus was exalted by God, God then says we should praise and worship Jesus. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is truly Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why we praise Jesus for what he has done in our lives, for what he has done in your life. You see, Jesus' story speaks of his love for you and me. So if we were to go back to the four elements that make a good story, well, Jesus is truly the main character. And what's the goal of Jesus? To save you. What's the conflict? Sin, pride, stubbornness. But what's the resolution? Well, what we read here today, the resolution is that we know Jesus has already been victorious. Victorious for you and me. And if nothing else, if, if that cannot inspire you, then I don't know what can inspire you. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God, to the glory of God the Father. To me, that is the ultimate Christmas story because Jesus' story is not just the manger story. Jesus' story is not just fish in nets that are bringing down a boat. Jesus' story is not just walking on water. Jesus' story is not just causing the blind to see. Jesus' story is not being passed around between Caiaphas and Pilate. Jesus' story is not just speaking to a woman at the well. Jesus' story is all of that and more and more. Jesus' story is a story of absolute love. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go tell it to everyone, to share it to everyone, to share how God's story, how Jesus' story has impacted you so much.